0: God's purpose for his children. God's purpose for his children. Who can tell me what that word purpose means? The word purpose? What do you understand by the word purpose? The word purpose. Are there some grammarians here? The word purpose. What does it mean? Come on, guys. Let's let's have a volunteer. Huh? reason for something, right? The intention, the intention, the intention, the end, the object. So what? So what is God's? What's God's purpose for you know, for creating us? That is what, what we want to look at. This morning, uh, the last section, we saw who God is, who God is. God is not what we, many of us, have some warped idea or warped concept of God. And the purpose of the last section was uh, for us to correct that concept, to know who God really is. The foundation is that God is love. The very essence of God is love. God is eternal, omnipotent, omniscient, all-knowing, almighty. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26a, it said, let us make man in our image, in our own image, and according to our likeness. Let us make man in our own image, and according to our likeness. Those two words in Hebrew, they mean, Different things, although in English, you know, we try to make the two words synonymous, image and likeness. Uh, sometimes we think they are synonymous, but in Hebrew, there are two different words. The word image in the Hebrew means identity. In other words, a representative, a representative, in other words, who you are. And then the word likeness, the word translated likeness, means a resemblance resemblance, in other words, behavior. So according to our image means according to our identity, our very nature. And then according to our likeness means a behavior. In other words, we will make man to be like us, to be a representative. And then as our representative, they will now behave like us. Amen? They will now behave like us. So, we, we can glean the very purpose of God in creating us in his own image, as his representative, as his representative, and therefore now to behave like us, to behave like us. So let's see this in the light of uh, God's, God's purpose. But from that very verse, we can glean the purpose by which God made us. We are created to be like him, to have his nature, to be like him, to behave like him, to express his character, to express his radiance. What's God's greatest purpose for his children? We're not going to look at his greatest purpose for us, greatest purpose for his children. My children are being those that have received Christ as their Lord and Savior, is indeed the entire human race. What is God's purpose? What was God's intent when he made man, when he made Adam, and Eve, and then the rest of us? There could be possible answers. What are the possible answers? To serve the Lord. To serve the Lord. In Romans 1, 1, and see that say Paul servant of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God that was Paul was called to be an apostle to serve the Lord so that could be a possible answer for our purpose number 2 to obey the lord to obey I think those those are the things that you need to fill in. Those words are the ones that you need to fill in, in your um, in the outline that you received, to obey the Lord. First Samuel 15, 22, and Samuel replied, Does the Lord deny delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? It says to obey is better than sacrifice. So could it be that God's greatest purpose for his children is for us to obey him? Number three, to love the Lord. To love the Lord. In Deuteronomy 6, 5, say, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength Remember when uh, one of the teachers, one of the lawyers went to Christ and asked, what is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. He repeated that from Deuteronomy 6.5 and he says, the second is like unto the first, love your neighbor even as you love yourself. And that is the very essence of God, loving. Love. God does not have love he is love itself. Or it could be to glorify the Lord. To glorify the Lord. Paul in 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Whatever we do, whatever you do, whether you eat or you drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Um, And I think in uh, Isaiah chapter 43, it's not in your note, but you can jot that down. Isaiah 43 verse 7 says, everyone who is called by my name and whom I have created for my glory. So here Isaiah says, speaking from God, everyone who I called by my name and whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. In other words, we were made for God's glory, we were made for his glory. Amen? Amen. So, what does, it mean to, what does it mean to glorify God? We want to look at that. What does it mean to glorify God? But before we answer that question, we want to know what glory is. Glory is a word that has been used so frequently. We hear many believers, Christians, say, glory to God. Glory, glory. So what does that word glory actually mean? Glory is the visible expression, is the visible expression or radiance of the beauty and character of God. I repeat that. It is the glory is the visible expression or the radiance of the beauty and character of God. In Exodus, you recall in Exodus 33 and 34, Moses. Asked to see God's glory. Moses asked to see God's glory. And then God responded by passing his goodness. He passed his goodness before him and telling Moses of his character. You recall that, right? You know, Moses said, Show me your glory. Show me your face, show me your glory. And the Lord passed by him, said, I will hide your face. He kept it in a cleft of the rock and then Walk through, and then God began to repeat his names, his character, God compassionate, and so on and so forth. So glory is the visible expression or the radiance of the beauty and character of God. So then what does it mean to what does it mean to glorify the Lord? There are some possible answers to be witnessing. Witnessing you know to evangelize, to share the gospel with others, to be a channel through which people can be brought to the Lord, to witness. It could be giving, giving. It could be giving. It could it be to give, to give to the furtherance of the gospel, for the work of the gospel obedience to glorify god could be to obey god finally to worship god to worship god and these are all good christian disciplines to witness to give to the church or for the furtherance of the gospel to obey god not just to comply. There's a difference between obeying and complying. Or to worship God. Or to worship God. All these are good Christian disciplines. But see this. Producing right behavior does not necessarily glorify God. Doesn't necessarily Glorify God. So what is God's answer for his purpose? If I express, if I accomplish all of these things, witnessing, giving, obeying, worshipping, these are all right behaviors, good Christian discipline. And it doesn't necessarily glorify God. It doesn't necessarily express the radiance. It doesn't necessarily express God's character. It doesn't necessarily do that. So what what does God say? What is his answer to his purpose for his children? God's highest glory is his son. Amen? God's highest glory is his son. Not all the right behaviors that we might express or display. God's highest glory is his son. In John Chapter 13, verse 31, the Apostle John says, Therefore, when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God the Father is glorified in him. God the Father is glorified in the Son. And therefore, God's highest glory, God's highest expression of his character, of his radiance, the radiance of his beauty, his splendor, is in his son, Jesus Christ. Other scriptures to back this up? And he, Jesus, this is in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, in chapter 1, verse 3 says, and he, Jesus, is the radiance of his, God the Father, the radiance of His glory and the exact representation of His nature. Jesus Christ is the radiance of His glory as the glory of the Father, the expression, the display, and the exact representation of his nature. Exact representation of the Father's nature is the Son. Other scriptures, to back this up, in Second uh, Corinthians, I think chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, Paul says, but thanks be to God. This is um, explaining the success of his ministry. Uh, Paul explaining the success of his um, uh, apostleship, of his ministry of spreading the gospel. He says, But thanks be to God, he gave thanks to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ. So he says, Yes, we are successful in our ministry of witnessing, of spreading this gospel it is in Christ that we have our triumph. It is in Christ that we have our victory. And it is only in Christ that we can have your victory. And manifest through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Manifest through us as believers, Christians, the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Sorry. Let me go back to to that. Let's just get the nugget out of this uh, scripture. Another version says that Christians or believers have unmistakably the scent of Christ. That is the aroma of Christ. In other words, we smell like Christ. And that is the glory. You cannot have the aroma of Christ, you cannot have the scent of Christ if Christ is not in you. So that scent that aroma, that sweet-smelling servo is actually a display or an expression of the life of Christ that is in you and that is a glory. Amen? That's a glory. Because Christ himself is the Father's highest glory. He expresses his exact representation. He expresses the life of the Father. And Jesus would do nothing, like he said, except that which I see my Father knowing. Remember what he told Philip? When Philip said, just show us the Father. Just show us the Father and that will be enough for us. He said, Philip, I've been for you, with you for, for so long. If you have seen me, you have seen what? The Father. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Next, scriptures. And this is it. Okay, that was in a well, we are the fragrance. Okay, that is the scripture. We, we, you and I are the fragrance of Christ to God. Among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing, we, you and I are the fragrance with that sweet-smelling savour, the aroma of Christ. Like I said, unless you have Christ's life living in you, and it's being expressed and not suppressed, as we surrender and yield unto his leading and resting in all the resources that he has already given us, then and only then can we express that aroma unto the world. And that aroma has two effects. (laughs) You see, to those who are being saved, it is sweet-smelling. It leads from life unto life. But to those that are perishing, in other words, those that will reject the gospel, those that will reject the gospel. Of course, they are perishing. Amen? In Colossians chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, Paul says that is the mystery is talking about the gospel, the good news, the mystery which has been hidden from, from the past ages and generations. That has now been manifested to his saints, as you and I, to whom God willed, his will has been made known. What is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles? Which is what? God in you is the hope of glory, Christ in you is the hope of glory. In other words, if you and I are to display or manifest the glory of God, it can only be through Christ that is in you. Christ in us, Christ in you, is the hope of glory. And finally, in John 17, the apostolic prayers of Jesus Christ, you see, and the glory which Thou hast given me, I have given to them, that, may, that they may be one just as we are one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. And it says, just as we are one, you know, the triunity or the trinity, triunity or trinity, oneness, as they are one, so we are one. Amen? You know, we often hear, you know, we quote sometimes Isaiah, that says, my glory I will share with no one, right? We often read that, the Old Testament, "And my glory I will share with no one. And you know what? Christ has given us his glory. We are, we are, not, we are not anyone, we are believers. He has shared his glory with us. His life is in us therefore we can manifest that glory. We are are not anyone. Amen? So when you read that passage, when it says my glory I will share with no one, just say I am not no one. I'm now the child of God, a saint of God. And Jesus Christ says that his glory he has given to us. His glory he has given to us. Alright. So, the technology doesn't move as fast as your fingers are moving. God's purpose, God's purpose, and I want you to pay attention to this. God's purpose is similar. In other words, God's purpose in making us, in creating us to manifest his glory is similar to why we have children. It's why we have children. You know, I often ask, "Why? Why do you have children? Why do you have children?" And there are possible, many possible answers. It's always funny when I ask uh, some people, "Why do you have children?" And they sit back and uh, yeah, some don't even know why they have children. <laughs> why do you have children? Possible answers. You have children in order to have an extension of yourself. To have an extension of ourselves. To have an extension of ourselves in our children. To manifest our lives in our children. To manifest our lives in our children. To extend ourselves in our children, not to live their lives, because that is what some of us do. They have their own lives. But to extend ourselves in our children, to manifest our lives in our children, to have someone and through whom we could express our love. To have someone and through whom we can express our love. You know, if we say that God is love, love is nothing except it has an object. See, love is nothing unless it has an object. If you have an object to love, the Bible says that we are the object of God's love. So if you say you love, there has to be something, there has to be somebody that you love. So God gave us children through whom we could express that our love. Or to have someone upon whom we could lavish ourselves to teach, to train, or to mold. To teach, to train, or to mold. This is called nurturing. Nurturing. Give us as children so that we could represent him, to nurture them, to bring them up in the way that they should go, to teach them, to train them, to mold them, to express ourselves in them. Someone to love. If you want to practice how to love, start with loving your children, because God gave those to us, of course, as spouses. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loves the church. We are to love. That is why we have children. That's why God gave us children. They are not there to serve us. Many of us think I have children so that they will come and serve me. Yeah, I've heard that. They serve me. It is Jesus'. Expressing His life in and through us that gives God His greatest glory. It is Jesus expressing His life in and through us that gives God His greatest glory. God did not create us to use us, but to love and enjoy us. To give us his very life. His very life. To give us his very life. See, in Genesis, you know, we, we go back to the beginning, the beginning of creation. See, God formed man out of the dust of the earth. Right? Formed man out of the dust of the earth in Genesis 2:7. He said, "God breathed what? The breath of life into that inanimate object, and then man became what? A living soul. Breathed the breath of life. So you and I are to be the containers of God's life." That is what we were created for, to be the containers of God's life. To contain his life. Yeah, there has been detour, detour along the way. We have rejected this life and taken on our own self-life, which is still in each and every one of us, our self-life. The Bible calls that the flesh. But now that you are believers, you and I are believers, Christ is joined to your spirit. Amen? The eternal life, the very source of life. Jesus says, the words that I speak, they are what? They are spirit and they are what? Life. The words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. I came that I might give life and give it more abundantly. That life is in us. God did not create us to use us, but to love us. We are the object of his love. And it's a pure love, it's agape. God does not only love us, but he also delights in us. You know there is a difference between loving something and delighting in something? To, to delight in something means that you like that thing. You want to hang around with that thing. You can love somebody without wanting to hang around with him or her, right? God says, "Love your enemies. I wouldn't want to hang around with my enemies. But He says, "Love your enemies. Love your enemies." And anybody tell me where God says, "Like your enemies? I wouldn't want to hang around with my enemies, but He says, "Love them." In other words, do the best for their own interests. And Jesus defined that love by saying, if they are hungry, do what? Feed them. That's love. If they are thirsty, give them water to drink. If their sheep falls into a pit, help it out. That's love. But he didn't say, go and hang around with them. In fact, he says, don't hang around with an angry person. Otherwise, you might take on his character. Right? So love, agape, unconditional love. That is God's very nature. And then as we express this love, we're expressing his character. We are glorifying him. Let's move. uh, So now, what hinders God's purposes? What hinders or what militates against our expressing this life that is in us? What hinders? Now, there are two systems of living. There are two systems of living right from Genesis 2 or Genesis 3. God said there was a tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's from there that we have the two systems of living. Either you live according to the tree of life or you live according to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Two systems of living. In Galatians 5.17, Paul says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. So you have the flesh and you have the spirit. And the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh? They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. You are either controlled by the flesh or by the spirit. You are either living according to the spirit or according to the flesh. Yes, we are in spirit because we are joined to the spirit, but you can choose to live according to the flesh or according to the spirit. So it is according to the flesh, well, according to the Spirit. Two systems of living. And we have a choice. We have a choice. Now what does it mean to live according to the flesh and according to the, according to the Spirit? It's either living a law-based life, law-based life, which is based on your performance, on your self-effort, or you are going to rest on the finished work of Jesus Christ, which is by grace. It is a grace-based life. You choose the law-based life or the grace-based life. We are talking to believers. We're talking to believers, not um, unbelievers. So what does it mean to live according or by law or by grace? Are we being welcomed down? That's it, oh really? Oh does that mean I should stop? Oops. Is that where the thing ended? Okay, thank God I brought mine. All right, so living all right, let's uh I was kind of enjoying that, but. uh, So you have your manual, right? Okay. The law is an achieving system. The law is an achieving system. By that I mean your performance, your achievement through your self effort. Amen? Is an achieving system. It says, for sin, sin shall not have. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Sin shall not be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Anytime we put ourselves back to the law, which is an achieving system, the law says, if you do this and this, then you'll be blessed. That's what the law says. So if you achieve this, accomplish this, then you'll be blessed. If you obey, then you'll be blessed. But grace is a receiving system. We receive from God by his grace. We receive not through our own achievement, but by what Christ has already done. The finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ is a receiving system. Grace says, but now having died to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code of course there is a codified law which includes the ten commandments according to the old covenant that Moses received on mount sinai but there are also almost 630 items that the pharisees added to the law <laughs> including if you carried something on your head on the Sabbath day, you are in trouble. So 630, 32 ordinances for those that wanted to be holier than God. So let's go through this so that you can fill in um, um, some of the blanks in in the middle column. So the law emphasizes what man does. So just write down, emphasizes what man does. Man does is to your left, and then God does is to your right. So just write down, emphasizes what man does. That's what the law does. Law is focused on that, what you and I do. But grace emphasizes what God does. Grace emphasizes what God does. Number two, in the law system, we live out of the flesh or the self-life. So, right, lives out, of the, lives out of the flesh or you live out of the spirit, which is the spirit life. Number three, the law draws... So, right draws, D R A W S, the Lord draws man's resources. But grace draws God's resources, man's resources, your intellect, (laughs) your strength, your beauty, your physique. your craftiness, manipulation. You know the works of the flesh, Galatians five nineteen talks about all of that. Number one, two, three, four. The law deals with, so write down, deals with. The law deals with external regulations. It deals with rules. It deals with standards. Whereas, grace deals with inner heart attitude. Grace deals with inner heart attitude. Number five. The law's primary focus, primary focus, are to, you know, I ought to do this. I should have done this. I have to do this. I must do this. That is the law system. The focus is I ought to do this. I ought to have done this. I should, you know. They say woulda, coulda, woulda, coulda, woulda. woulda. <laughs> I could have done this. I must do this. I have to do this. You know, as more or less compliance. We are being forced to. But. The grace system, the primary focus is want to. I want to do it because I believe that that is the right thing to do. I want to do it. I pray that we we'll all, we'll all come to the place where we want to come to church and not we have to. We must. When that becomes law, grace says, I want to do it. Because I'm con- I am convinced. Number seven, six, the law creates, so right now creates bondage, duty, and obligation. The law creates bondage, duty, and obligation. The law makes us, anything that we want to do is by duty, by obligation. Because if I don't, I will not get the blessing. But grace creates freedom. Grace creates freedom. Jesus says, it was for freedom that I set you free. He I've come that you might, you know, say uh, if the Son of Man sets you free, then what? You're free indeed. Freedom. Free from the power of sin, free from the penalty of sin, free from the law, and free from the world. Freedom. That's what Paul could say. It was so freedom that Christ set you free. Said, Therefore, do not entangle yourself. Don't get back into bondage. Because you are free. You are free. But we have to be careful because that freedom, you are free to do anything you want. Amen? You are free to sin. If you want. But do you really want to sin? Does anybody want to sin? No, nobody wants to sin. A believer doesn't want to sin. But you are free. We'll talk about that. You are free. You know, I say, if you love something, set it free. Give it a choice. God gave us a will, not his own will. God gave us a will that is different from his own will. Do we know that? (laughs) He gave us a will that is different from his own will. So he told told Joshua, "Say, I give you what? Life and death. Curses and blessings, right? But he says, well, choose life so that you will live. Choose life, that you will live. He did not make us robots. He didn't. He gave us a will, a free will, so that we can choose to love him. We love him because we want to, not because we have to. Because anything you do because you have to, Then that becomes bondage. You are no longer free. If you love something, set it free and let it have a choice of coming back to you. Then and only then can it stand. Amen? In grace, under law, we live life from the outside in. And this is important. Under law, just write down, lives life from the, lives life from the. Let me explain that. Under law system, we live life from outside in, outside in. From what we hear from the world, from what we hear from the enemy, from what we hear from the media, from the TV. We live life from outside in. Whereas under grace we live life from inside out. In other words, we hear from God, we hear from God, and then we live it out. Inside out versus outside in. The next one, right down, declares in the law system, declares, do in order to be. That's what the law system does. It says do in order to be. Pray so that you'll be a good Christian. Do in order to be. But under the receiving system or the grace system, it says, you are, therefore, do. In other words, live out of your identity. You say, you are already a believer. You are already a forgiver, therefore forgive. I hear many people say, I cannot forgive. Who told you that you can't? If you have received the forgiveness of God, if you have received that gift of forgiveness, then you should be able to forgive. Unless you have not received the forgiveness of God. If you have received the forgiveness of God and embraced it and accepted it and you own it, then you can give it out. So he says, You are, therefore do. You are a believer, therefore believe. Next one the law system results in defeat, it results in defeat. But under grace, it is victory. The law system results in defeat. For the simple reason is that you cannot keep the law. It says if you fail in one, you failed in how many? All of it. And the law wasn't given for us to keep. It was given so that we would know that we are sinners. That was the purpose of the law. So now you are a sinner. You cannot keep this. In the Ten Commandments are God's standards. God's standards. See, look at the standard. God's standard. Try to keep it. Now that we are believers, ah, try to keep all those standards. So when we try to keep them, and we say, whoa, I couldn't keep this. Therefore, I've missed all of it. Then the law was meant to be a tutor. You know, when you try and you fail, you say, no, 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 I cannot do that. Let me come to grace. Grace is a receiving system. Your blessings, not based on what you do or what you didn't do, but based on what Christ has done. Next, the operating principle, write that down operating principle under the law, is to try harder, work, effort, yourself effort But under grace, it is to receive, to trust, to abide, and then to rest. And finally, in the law system, trying to be like Jesus instead of trying to be like Jesus, instead of letting Jesus be in and through you. There's a book very earlier on in my Christian life that I read. says the imitation of Christ. We are not to imitate Christ. We are to allow him to live his life in and through us. So under the law, it is the flesh, and under the spirit, and under grace, it is living according to the spirit. So, in conclusion, the flesh hinders the expression of Christ's life through us. If you read Romans 8:5 to 8 5-8, and Galatians 5:17 to 21, Galatians 5:17 to 21 lists the works of the flesh. Lists the works of the flesh, as opposed to the works, I mean the fruit of the spirit. Next week, we will take uh, questions. I think I think our time Sorry. We'll, 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 no, Not a question. I just need you to speak a little bit more to the last point you made. The Trying to be like Jesus as against letting Jesus be Jesus. In you try to be like Jesus. That is by your own effort rather than a line. Surrendering so already to his life in you and then living out of, out, of, out of that. If your motivation is to be like Jesus, then you'll be trying and trying and trying rather than rest, rest because he's in you and then allow that life to be made manifest through you. Okay. So we we'll take, please, uh, I did not explain how we are to pray this. Send your questions by email to um, uh, Sister Revelation. Um, so send your questions to her by email, right? And then we can take those questions up next week. So write down your questions or comments on this on this topic, uh, so that we will see that next week. Thank you, and God bless you.